Welcome to Lay of the Brand, where we talk with the experts on tech marketing, creative, and PR to learn what's new, what's working, and what's next. I'm Peter Jacobs with Merit Group, and on this episode, we're looking at news distribution. It's been an essential part of the PR and marketing playbook for decades. But how does it fit in a world where journalism is so fragmented between traditional news outlets, upstart news providers, and bloggers, social media influencers, and independent journalists? To learn more about how news distribution continues to evolve and how PR and marketing pros can take advantage of these changes, I'm talking with Greg Castano, CEO of NewsDirect, a company staffed by industry veterans who are bringing a new approach to media outreach and content delivery. Greg, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Nice to be here. I want to start off with an existential question. Niche publications and narrow casting mean exponentially more channels for news, and there's a lot of ways to share news with those channels that are basically DIY. Considering all of the avenues for distributing content available to marketers and media professionals, is there still a need for news distribution services? Well, um, let me start off by saying I've, I have been in this business uh, for about 34 years now. So over those three plus decades, I've seen predictions about you know either the demise or the death of the newswire coming and going continuously because there's always new technologies that come around that can threaten it. First, it was the introduction of uh, commercial broadcast faxing, which everyone said, well, now I can just fax everyone uh, so I don't need a newswire service. Uh, then it was... Uh, you know, followed by the ability to send content by mass email lists, which was even better than faxing. Again, that was seen as, as a potential threat to the model. Uh, that, of course, was something we have come to know as the Internet uh, that came about in the mid-90s. And at that point, pretty much everyone was convinced that that was going to spell the end of the newswire. Then the Internet itself spawned other, other functionalities that also became a threat, such as uh, for those of you who are publicly traded company employees working, you know, listening to this, you know, there's something called notice and access in which public companies uh, were permitted by the SEC to meet disclosure by posting their earnings results on corporate websites rather than distributing them via a newswire. Uh, and in that case, I can assure you that uh, even those of us at Business Wire, where I worked, uh, perceive this as a significant existential threat to the core of our revenue model. Yet nearly 20 years later, after that, Notice and access was approved by the SEC. Uh, that practice has still remained largely limited to a relatively small percentage of companies. So again, a threat that looked like it could be a huge threat was, you know, really didn't come to be in that sense. Uh, so when you look at the other forms and options for distributing content, such as the ones that you've named earlier, each of those has their strengths and their weaknesses, and each of them has a place in the ecosystem. For example, Twitter is widely regarded as a platform that can replace newswires. However, although it is extremely valuable and a useful tool to reach target audiences, it is limited by the fact that only those who follow your company have access to your content, other than when that content is shared and retweeted by your followers. But the reality is the overwhelming majority of companies do not have very large followings, unless you're a company like Apple. So that kind of sort of negates that threat in some way. So as a result, nothing has yet come along that enables companies to widely distribute content to multiple constituency segments at the same economy of, of scale as a news distribution service or a newswire. Uh, one significant ex example of this is that newswires are the only way for a company to guarantee that their content gets posted on major online news portals like Yahoo Finance 
and many others. So, yes, uh, the answer to your question simply is yes, there is still a need for new distribution services, um, and that all of the other you know ways of connecting with your audience uh, don't necessarily have to be viewed as competing with a news distribution service, but rather uh, they should all be kind of considered complementary to each other because the newswire can't do it all, neither and neither can any of these you know individual you know methodologies. So. That's kind of like that's kind of where I, I feel uh, the news distribution service will continue to survive. And you know, our company was founded to kind of um, really uh, improve and replace some of the, the practices and, and functions of the newswire service that needed to improve in order to stay viable. Well, let's talk about that a little bit more. It used to be you'd use your newswire service in order to just get a press release out to as many newspapers and magazines and editors as you could. But it's gone way beyond just press releases now, obviously. You've got new content elements, graphics, video, audio. You want to let people know about your latest blog. Uh, there's interactivity. How have the wire services evolved to keep up with these changes? Well, I would argue that the newswire industry in general has really not done nearly enough to keep up with those changes that the, di- that the digital era has produced. Uh, in fact, the very premise of News Direct, and I'm not trying to make this a commercial, but our, our founding premise really was uh, to bring the, the business model up to 21st century standards, which I believe can only be done by using 21st century technology. Uh, all of the major newswire services like PR Newswire and BusinessWire and Globe, um, they continue to rely on technology platforms that really predate the digital era. Uh, they're largely hardware-based systems, uh, which by nature lack the flexibility and the capability to adequately address how modern communications professionals do their jobs now. That's not to say that there haven't been things that they've done to keep pace and that were at the time, you know, fairly revolutionary. For example, all of the services can distribute multimedia assets downstream to their to their network. But that technology is a 25-year-old technology. Business Wire actually introduced what they call the smart news release in the late 90s in which images and video and other content can be embedded into text-based news releases. Uh, And then the others followed suit soon thereafter. But since then, there hasn't been a lot of innovation in that space. So when it comes to distributing assets like infographics and video, I felt that it was necessary to go a step further than that, right? In my opinion, many many or most of the news releases that are going over the wires now that have multimedia embedded in them don't necessarily require and should not necessarily be accompanied by a news release. In my view, if you require a news release to explain your infographic or your video, then your infographic or your video isn't very good. On top of that, writing a news release, as everyone knows, is a time-consuming task, and anything that takes time costs money. Uh, Then there's also the expense of distributing both the press release and the uh, multimedia asset over the wire, and thus the whole exercise becomes pretty costly, both in time and dollars, uh, when you're using a traditional newswire service to get, specifically to get that multimedia distributed. Basically, we believe that the necessity existed and the the potential existed for um, distributing standalone multimedia, meaning not embedded into a press release, uh, making that ability available uh, to communications people, um, which not only tells, allows them to tell their story in a different way, but also uh, saves them all that time and expense. Um, and for various reasons, the legacy services don't do that, either for technological or economical reasons. I'm not sure what it is, but thus far they have not adapted to that. As far as social media is concerned, 
it definitely has a very prominent seat at the table. And as again, I don't see that as a competing resource, but rather as a complementary one. With all of these different features and services, have the metrics changed for you? How do you know that news distribution has done its job? Uh, well, I would say that um, the profession in general is becoming much more sophisticated about the metrics they use to measure success, right? So for a long time, people were most interested in seeing these big giant numbers like page impressions. Oh, I got 500 million page impressions to gauge the effectiveness of their messaging. However, it's become more and more obvious that those kinds of analytics don't really provide any real actionable value, which is why the term vanity metrics has come into play. It's called that because it makes the C-suite feel good, but it doesn't really tell you much about the performance of your content. So having said that, it's now necessary to offer more granularity in those metrics and in turn more insight as to what those numbers on the screen that you're looking at really mean. So. I can tell you that we found out immediately uh, when we launched our product that regardless of how slick and intuitive and economical and secure your platform is, if you don't provide meaningful an analytics, all the other stuff is moot. Nobody cares uh, because they need to see those. They need to see meaningful analytics. Um, so, you know, we've worked hard to make sure that we do provide unique and useful data along with the traditional stuff that everyone else offers. Uh, I, we think it's necessary that you have to give the customers both things because Many people have not been completely weaned off that security blanket of showing the boss that their news release had the potential of being viewed by 500 million people uh, because that, in many cases, masks the reality that it was only viewed by 25 people. Um, so we're, we're trying to improve upon that by offering things like flick maps that show uh, geographic segmentation of, you know, people that have been looking at your content. So it allows you to identify, you know, geographically where your message is resonating. Uh, we also use a proprietary algorithm that gives customers a more realistic sense of how many people actually had access to your content out of that large, you know, uh, vanity number. We also have another a number of enhancements in the pipeline that will allow for greater insight and understanding of how content is performing. But at the end of the day, every company and individual has a different definition of what success is. And that's why no service has created that kind of holy grail analytics platform. So our approach, and I think uh, in general, the approach should be to identify the commonalities in what is considered valuable data and solve for those first. Then you can look at adding more niche-oriented metrics that appeal to individual market segments. So what should PR pros who are working at brands and marketing agencies consider when they're looking at choosing a news distribution service? I would say that there are several factors that everyone should look at, right? And then there are some that should be specific to um, you know, the individual company or or brand based on what their objectives are. Uh, so the factors that I think are necessary for everyone to look at in their use of a distribution service, uh, and this is in no particular order because it differs from user to user, what's important to them. But uh, I would say ease and speed of use, right? Because time is money and, uh, you know, everyone is crunched for time and that's a very valuable commodity. Uh, security is absolutely, you know, at or near the top of the list there because, you know, there's always someone trying to, you know, do something illicit with, uh, you know, content that they can make profit on. Um, obviously, the, the, the uh, breadth and depth of distribution and reach is very important. Um, and that might be geographic in, in the sense that maybe you don't need national distribution, but you might want to target certain geographic areas and you have to make sure that those that the service you choose is strong in those areas. You have to look at the cost benefit. Obviously, everyone, especially now, is um, you know focused on 
cutting uh, budget and so forth. And um, you have to make sure that, you know, what you're getting out of it is worth what you're paying for it. Again, the depth of analytics is very important and that's sort of a moving target, but, um, you know, we have to keep solving for each individual piece of it as we go along. And then lastly, kind of the good old fashioned thing, which is customer support, right? You have to make sure that if you have a question or a problem or an issue, um, you should be able to easily um, reach someone at your provider and get the answers and uh, the responses and the resolution that you need in a, in a fast and, and, you know, efficient way. Um, beyond that, uh, really becomes a matter of the unique objectives of the issuer. For example, you know, does service X reach the specific vertical, vertical trade media or specialized media uh, that, you know, my company or my brand or my organization, you know, needs to reach? You know, so those are the kinds of things you have to look at on an individual basis. And it will vary from, you know, organization to organization what those things are. And some newswires, you know, I would say no newswire, including ourselves, can satisfy everyone's needs, right? Um, and there are some newswires that are good at some things and some that are not. Um, so you have to kind of, um, you know, do your research and figure out, you know, in the case of your kind of unique needs, you know, what the right fit for you is. You know, there, there are three audiences here, right? So you have the B2C, B2B, and B2G, right? Um, B2G is actually a good example of uh, what I was just discussing, which is because it's a it's a it's a lot trickier than reaching a B to C or a B to B audience because the target audience for B to G, which is government, um, is not just the media and not just the public, but also you know legislators and lobbyists and other types of influencers. So not every newswire has the capability to effectively reach those kinds of audiences. So in cases like that, I think specialization is a good thing and is necessary in order to get the job done properly because it requires, you know, certain industries and certain segments like the one I just mentioned uh, requires a specific kind of knowledge, specific set of contacts in a very siloed environment. Uh, another good example of that is, uh, you know, corporate social responsibility and ESG, right? That's a highly specialized market segment that also includes specific media site, media and websites and bloggers and so forth. And you really need to understand that environment in order to provide high quality content delivery to the right audience. The biggest news story of the year and uh, unfortunately the biggest impact on the world this year has been COVID. And I'm wondering if that had an impact on news distribution. Did it change your process and are these changes likely to stick around for a long time? Well, I think there's pretty much no area of human life that COVID has not affected and changed in some ways permanently and in some ways, you know, temporarily. Um, in the case of the industry that I'm in, I would say that I'm not so sure that COVID changed the process as much as it is, has kind of accelerated the process. I think there was a movement prior to COVID towards more of a work from home uh, strategy, uh, more self-reliance from a technological standpoint. Uh, Zoom didn't come along because of COVID, but nobody could argue that it wasn't in the right place at the right time, right? So now even your grandmother knows how to schedule and participate in a Zoom call. So, you know, COVID has turned practices that used to be outliers into, into standard practices. In our case, uh, we have a platform that is self-directed, meaning that we don't have newswire editors acting as a middleman to process content. This is something that, although we think um, pre-COVID would have ultimately been, you know, uh, embraced, um, there's no doubt that COVID has also substantially moved up the timeline for our customer, our target customer base, 
uh, to adapt to this way of doing, you know, news distribution because they've become used to it in other in other parts of their job. So it's it's made them more comfortable with it and more accepting of not relying on a third party to, you know, to do the work for them because now you can use technology to do that work. So I think it's made people much more aware of the power of technology. Um, uh, and some some for the good and some for not. Um, in terms of how of whether or not that will be permanent, all, all these changes and so forth. There's obviously evidence that people are getting Zoom fatigue. Um, so I believe that there will be, to use a COVID expression, a flattening of the curve when it comes to conducting online meetings and using technology to achieve certain efficiencies. I think folks will initially be enthusiastic about getting out and meeting face-to-face, -face, taking people to lunch and so forth. But to a large extent, you can't put the toothpaste back into the tube, right? Meeting online has now become a very acceptable, convenient way to conduct business. And, and economical as well. And there's no doubt in my mind that it will be integrated into nearly all of, you know, existing company standard practices to some degree. To the extent that people have become more comfortable with technology that maybe before they've shied away from, it will make that, that technology will become a permanent fixture. Well, this time of year, the beginning of a new year is always a time when we look for predictions as to where things are going. So I'd like to ask you about your thoughts about where news distribution services are headed in 2021. Well, you know, one thing I've heard my whole adult life while I was in this business is that the news release is dead or dying, right? And as a result of that happens, obviously, then the news distribution services will no longer be available. Um, but I say quite often that as a communications tool, the news release itself and, and by extension, the news distribution service is not dead, is not dying, and never will be. There will always be a place for it in the communications toolkit. However, given the trajectory of technological advancement in the communication space using digital technology, as well as you know the off-malign millennial generation kind of graduating into positions of power and influence and in decision making, plus the continued evolution of media of the media consumption habits of target audiences, the news release is no doubt going to have to share the stage with other content formats. Ultimately, it's likely to go from what was a starring role to a supporting player as these factors continue to uh, accelerate and become more the norm. Uh, however, the total transition from a news release dominated communication strategy and therefore a, a news distribution platform to a multimedia dominated one is still, in my view, a few years off. So in 2021, to be specific, I expect to see more of movement towards that, but I expect to see it much more of a hybrid use of news releases and multimedia still being employed as, you know, as together rather than as separate entities. Um, so for news wires uh, in, in 21, I don't think it will have a drastic impact because, um, you know, all the news wires can do that hybrid approach. However, going forward, and, you know, I'm not sure when this is going to happen, and I think it'll probably be in 22 or 23, uh, the future viability of the newswire model will depend on their ability to pivot uh, to a more multimedia-oriented strategy. And by that specifically, I mean the ability to send only multimedia as opposed to, you know, a press release um, being required in order to get multimedia distributed. Uh, but they have to do this carefully because potentially could really destroy their business model because so much of it is based on, you know, text-based content because they charge based on word counts and so forth. So it's a very tough assignment 
because they're very tightly tethered to a certain revenue model, a certain technology. And, you know, thus far, you know, business philosophies that have not really changed in a while. Um, so, you know, in our case, we've, we saw that and having been in the business for so long, I saw that while I was at business wire and I tried to, I tried to change that internally, but the appetite wasn't there for it. So um, I started news direct really to leapfrog all of those legacy issues uh, by building something from scratch using, you know, state of the art technology and also listening closely to the users of the platforms. Uh, we also developed a platform that was very flexible and agile so that we don't fall into the same trap uh, where we're not able to kind of quickly pivot as new technologies take hold. So we believe in 2021, especially if and when we emerge from this COVID nightmare, uh, it'll be a, a year of significant traction for our kind of our business model, which is, you know, it is new and it is uh, to some degree uncomfortable for people to change to. Uh, but we think because of all the other things that have happened this year, that that process is going to be made uh, far easier than it may have been, you know, without this, without this pandemic happening. I've been talking with Greg Castano, CEO of News Direct. Thanks for being here, Greg. Thank you. And thank you for joining us. Lay of the Brand is brought to you by Merit Group, an integrated strategic communications firm that blends the best of PR, marketing, and creative to help our clients tell their stories and build business. Got a topic suggestion or want to share feedback? Subscribe to Lay of the Brand on your preferred listening platform and leave us a review. And please spread the word and tell your friends and colleagues to tune in as well. To learn more about Merit Group, check out layofthebrand.com.